Well, with only two weeks of real football left, we are here to break down some of the big news from today, including a retirement of a man who really should be considered a legend, as well as looking forward to the conference championship games. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade podcast. Well, there is playoff football that's going on. Um, I think it's most important among all the head coaching news, among all the GM news, among um, everything that we could be talking about for next year. I think the most important news headline actually came out today, and that is that Philip Rivers is retiring. And um, is it a huge shocker? No, but um, still, it's it's a pretty big day considering just how, how long of a career he's had, considering that he's played 17 seasons. Um, I think he's fifth in all-time passing yards, fifth in all-time passing touchdowns. Um, he is an absolute legend, like you said, Daniel. And so um, it's a, a pretty big day in, in NFL history um, as one of the, the all-time greats retires. Yeah, so that's another, um, another not brick, goodness, what am I trying to say? An, like another, another of the 2004 draftees who is gone. Obviously, Eli Manning was last offseason, Philip Rivers now. I will, honestly wouldn't be shocked if Ben goes this year as well, but he maybe has another year left in him. But, um, I mean, hey, one of the best quarterback draft classes of all time, and, and we're seeing it come to an end now with uh, just one left. But Philip Rivers, man, I like this is a player who I think never got the credit that he deserved. Um, fifth in all-time passing yards, I believe fifth in passing touchdowns as well. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Do you see J.J. Watt's tweet today? Just one of the smartest yeah. quarterbacks to ever do it. Um, for those of you who missed the tweet, apparently in a game against the Texans, uh, Phillip Rivers was so far ahead of the defense that he not only knew the play he was calling, he told one of the linebackers from the defense that he was out of position for the blitz that they were running. And that is like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And just like a great personality. Phillip Rivers loved the game. You ever watch him mic'd up? Like, it was fun. Um, yeah, this is yeah. one of the best players to watch mic'd up for sure. Yeah, I think one of one of the guys on the list for sure for me who I'm sad he never got a Super Bowl um, just for how great he was. And on, I mean, some incredible uh, San Diego Chargers teams over his seasons, but they were just never able to really make a run. But yeah, um, this is a guy who who really does need to go down as um, low key one of the better quarterbacks in NFL history, but one who really never gets the credit for it. Well, and what's interesting, Daniel, is um, I imagine a lot of podcasts, I imagine a lot of news pages or um, all these different people who will be talking about his retirement today and in the days to come um, went and looked at his stats initially. And I think that's one of the reasons why he doesn't necessarily get the respect that some other quarterbacks do. Um, the best season he's had from a touchdown perspective is 34 passing touchdowns, which isn't all that bad. Um you know, he's had, what, maybe six seasons, it looks like, where he's had 30 or more passing touchdowns out of his 17, which is, I mean, not outstanding. But what stands out to me is that he threw quite a bit of interceptions as well. And so um, I think he's an absolute legend. And to play 17 years in the NFL as a quarterback, um, to take the beatings that he did to be on some good teams and some bad teams as he was, um, the longevity of his career is absolutely impressive. Um, but what What's really hard for me to answer is whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. He's an absolute legend. Again, I think legend comes because of the longevity. But um, looking at his stats, I'm, I don't know if he's um, fitting of my criteria to go into the Hall 
Hall of Fame. I think ultimately he will be a Hall of Famer, but I just think if we were to look at him over the course of his career, I don't know if he was ever one of the top three best quarterbacks in the league. And so I know you and I are very strict when it comes to guidelines to get into the Hall of Fame, but where do you stand on this? Are you as strict as I am? Yeah, well, it's, I think you make a fair point. And I've, I've, I have been recorded multiple times saying that I think we're a little bit too lenient on who gets in. I think we, we let people into the Hall of Fame a little bit too quickly. Um, and just an interesting thing worth noting, I don't know if you know this, Adam, Pro Football Reference has like a Hall of Fame monitor. They just kind of score players over the course of their career. Um, and they they compare that with guys who are in the Hall of Fame. And Philip Rivers does actually fall below their criteria for, for being in the Hall of Fame. Um, by by very little by like four points on a scale that like he's the the average hall of fame quarterback has a score of 101 his is 97 and, and a little bit over a half oh. almost 98 points so like very close by pro football references standards i think he he was in an era of incredible quarterback play right the the best era of quarterback play in the history of the league has been the last 20 years so that definitely didn't help him um he was to a certain extent just a poor man's brett Favre, right uh, a lot of interceptions, the gunslinger that like, and, and that's not a bad thing. Brett Favre is, is one of the best to ever do it as well, but it, it's, I think it'll be hard. I think Philip Rivers might be the type of guy who needs kind of a weaker year um, to make it in. But I, I think ultimately he will, whether or not he should, I think I, I'd want to kind of, this sounds weird, but almost see the league without him for a little bit and see if that actually like makes an impact, you know? Yeah, no, I, I uh, I understand that, and just one thing I want to go back to when you say he's at a point nine seven, and the the minimum line, if you will, is one point zero one. I think what's tough about this is that an Eli Manning, I would argue, did not have as nice or as good of a career, um, as nice of numbers over the course of his career, I believe. Um, but he won two Super Bowls, and so I think for Philip Rivers, if he would have had at least one Super Bowl under his resume, I think it would have pushed him over that line. But to your point, I think he was so close where he was as far as having the career that he did from a stat perspective and being in the uh, in the NFL as long as he was. But because he doesn't have that Super Bowl ring, I truly think that that's one of the reasons why he'll be limited. There are players that don't have Super Bowl rings like Dan Marino, who were just so good when they played that it's no question that they belong in the Hall of Fame. But I think for Philip Rivers, what would have made up that margin of difference between him and a Hall of Fame caliber player was ultimately the the championships, right? And he just couldn't yeah. get it done in the playoffs, which is, is hard because he had a lot of good San Diego teams over the years. I mean, yeah, weirdly enough, again, and I'm not putting all of my eggs in the pro football reference Hall of Fame monitor basket, but um, <laughs> of the three 2004 draftees, Philip Rivers actually has the highest score, even with no championships. So I don't really know how they calculate it. Um, he's about... Uh, what is it? Two points higher than Ben Roethlisberger. So this is on just okay, for reference. Peyton Manning has the highest score all time, which I just don't understand how that even is. But he has a 259. 101 is your average Hall of Fame quarterback. Average, not minimum. Um, and then Rivers is a 97. Ben is a 95. And Eli is an 83. Um, I see. Okay. So... I mean, it is funny just to look at the numbers. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are like, what, 70 points ahead of the next highest person, which is Brett Favre, which yeah. is just funny. But um, so, yeah, I, I love Philip Rivers. I I think by like my 
traditional standards that I've voiced before. He's not a Hall of Famer, but I also wouldn't be, you know, heartbroken if he made it. And I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. I remember back in like Madden 11, Tom Brady would always retire like after like three seasons, which is hilarious now as we sit in 2020. And then I would always sign <laughs> Philip Rivers because he was a free agent. That was just kind of a pretty standard way for me to run a franchise. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sad to see him go. But like he said, kind of in his big statement, I think it was just time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And ultimately, what I think is really interesting, too, is just thinking about San Diego back in 05, right? So they have Drew Brees, who's injured now, um, who, you know, went through everything that he went through with that shoulder injury, didn't know if he was ever going to play again. And so the Chargers go and they draft Phillip Rivers to fill that spot. And so it's really interesting actually looking back and seeing that Drew Brees is, I mean, he's playing still when Phillip Rivers is ending his career. And I, I don't know anything yet as far as whether Drew Brees is um, going to retire yet this offseason, but apparently it was announced today that he played through a rotator cuff tear, um, the fasci- fascia tears as well. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, but anyways, it's just both those guys, um, there's so much history there. And just the fact that they're connected this offseason in that way, it's uh, it's pretty cool as well. Yeah, and a lot of rumors are, are pointing towards the fact that Drew Brees is done as well, um, which, I mean, it's crazy. That really does just leave, I think, two two of kind of this this era of quarterback left, like Tom Brady and, and Ben would, would sort of be it as far as... Aaron Rodgers would fit in there too, probably. He's kind of in like a middle... Because he didn't start until, what, 08? Something like that. Um, I guess and so. he was yeah. drafted earlier. But yeah, like he kind of feels like maybe if the very tail end of this era, if anything. But um, if Drew Brees retires, the crazy thing is that... I mean, that guarantees Tom Brady will end his career with... Most passing yards of all time, most passing touchdowns of all time. Um, I mean, big stats, big stats for Tom Brady, Drew Brees' retirement guarantee. And that would be, again, one of the best guys to ever do it. Like, it, it's just, it's it's crazy the last three, four seasons. I guess since 2015, when Peyton retired, we've just almost been losing like a Hall of Fame worthy quarterback every year. Yeah, no kidding. Um, it is sad because that's the era that I started watching football in, and these were guys that. Well, I've, I've always been a Tom Brady fan. Each year, it was always fun to watch Aaron Rodgers. or And I guess I'm sort of putting him in that category. But Ben Roethlisberger, I remember at the beginning of his career, how he led the Steelers to a 15-1 season. And they were the number one seed in 04-05. And um, just how successful he was as a young quarterback in the league. He was like not necessarily the same as Patrick Mahomes, but almost as successful. He was winning so much with the Steelers early in his career. Um, Eli Manning, that guy that kind of came out of nowhere, Peyton's little brother, and wins two Super Bowls over the course of his career. It's uh, it's not like you cheer for these guys every Sunday, but you you appreciate that when they walk away from the game that uh, they are leaving a big gap in the NFL. That's for sure. So I mean, that's some of the some of the sadder news from this week. But I guess we should talk about some of the other um, big stories and ones that uh, I mean. <laughs> Honestly, I wanted to say is more happy news, but I wonder how many Lions fans are really cheering about this Dan Campbell hiring. Uh, but they made an official six-year deal for the former assistant head coach of the Saints going to the Lions. Um, that uh, that was something that we kind of commented on last week. This feels like a weird hiring to me. I don't know. Um, 
I, I have not been on like Lions Twitter to see if there's a big response. I can't imagine this is a team really, really screaming about how happy they are with their, uh, with their choice. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, uh, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. There's a lot of, um, a lot of coaches out there that are young, offensive-minded coaches that are getting a lot of interviews. You think of guys like um, Joe Brady. You think of guys like, I guess, Eric Bieniemy sort of fits in that category. Um, and a few others aren't actually coming to mind. Arthur Smith, I guess, would be in that category as well. But those guys that are sort of after the Sean McVay mold that are young, exciting coaches that they think are going to come in with a, a snazzy new offense and are going to change the team dramatically. And for Detroit to go out and get a guy who um, really isn't all that proven. He's, he's only been an interim head coach over the course of his career in the NFL, which was with the Miami Dolphins after they fired Joe Philbin. So it was just really interesting. Out of all the, the potential options that they had to go out and get someone who has only ever served as an interim head coach was kind of intriguing. So, I, I mean, maybe Detroit's onto something that we – you know, aren't aware of, but as far as I'm concerned, it's just, it's a really weird hire considering what the type of mold for a successful coach is nowadays or what the NFL seeks in a, in a coach nowadays, which is young offensive minded and, um, you know, someone who's shown success in the offensive coordinator role. So yeah, Dan Campbell's a really weird hiring for that reason or for those reasons, I should say. And then the other one was Brandon Staley, and I've got to say, um, was even less familiar with this name, which, uh, which I mean, it, was, it, it seems is kind of my bad. As I, I mean, he's been in the league since 2017, I believe. Uh, started out with the Bears as a linebackers outside linebackers coach, and has just kind of climbed the ranks and in what four seasons went from an outside linebackers coach to a head coach. So that's a, a pretty impressive career arc for for Brandon Staley and. Um, we'll see if he was the right choice for the Chargers. Yeah, that's an interesting hire for sure. I mean, he's staying in Los Angeles, so I'm sure that that's something that's good for, for him for sure. And um, that's a really good roster already. We know in Los Angeles that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that it makes sense for them to go out and get a defensive-minded coach because I think their offense is there. And I think that their defense has a lot of potential. They have lots of great athletes there. And it's just a matter of, first of all, them being healthy, but also putting together a consistent, strong defense. So I think it makes sense to go out and get a defensive coach just because that offense with Justin Herbert, with Keenan Allen, with Austin Eckler, and with a lot of, uh, a lot of other weapons, I think is going to sustain itself quite well. So um, in my opinion, that's a great hire. Um, and I mean, it's, it doesn't hurt to have a defensive-minded coach in a division where you have to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year. So um, I, I'm in the same boat as you honestly didn't know his name until the playoffs came up really. And then I saw him, saw him talked about on GMFB, but yeah, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, there are some coaches that we're quite familiar with in the hiring process and guys that like Robert Sala, not a surprise whatsoever that he landed a head coaching job this off season. But Brandon Staley is not one that I would have put in the ring before the season to be a head coach going into 2021. So anyways, it's uh yeah, it'll be interesting to watch his success, especially in that division. And then obviously we also had some GM hirings. I don't really have much to say with those, Adam. Like I've said a few times, front office stuff I'm not nearly as familiar with as I would be other things. So unless you have some additional comments there. Well, I think what's interesting is Atlanta poached someone from the front office of the Saints 
So I thought that that was kind of interesting that they would go out and make a move like that. Um, Detroit went out and got someone from the Rams, I believe. So the Rams are, are kind of getting depleted. I saw that Kevin O'Connell, their offensive coordinator, was also trying to be po- or was also attempted to be poached by someone. I can't remember which team that was. And so the Rams are sort of being pulled apart from a front office perspective and the coordinator position. Um, so that I thought was quite interesting. And then Trent Balky is apparently the the number one prospect right now for the Jacksonville job. And we know that he was, I mean, the GM in San Francisco during some of their good years, some of their bad years and ended with the Chip Kelly era, I believe. So I know that some 49er fans were on Twitter saying that uh, they're, you know, kind of interested to see how well he's going to do there because he kind of messed up the 49ers for a bit. So anyways, those were my, my key notes about the GMs, but other than that, I don't have too much to say about them. And then we also did, Last week, comment a bit on the Deshaun Watson story that's developed a little further this week. It almost feels like a guarantee that he will not be in a Texans uniform next season. Obviously, it's hard to know, but I literally read an article where the author um, created a proposed trade for all 32 teams in the NFL. So that should show you the way that that people are feeling about Deshaun Watson right now. And we might end up seeing one of the biggest trades in, uh, in NFL history over the next couple of weeks or months. Yeah, and uh, what's going to be interesting about this one, I'm just going to insert a 15-second statement here, but everyone's saying the Dolphins are the number one spot, and I mean, if that's where he's willing to go, that's where he's willing to go and waive his no-trade clause. But the Jets have a very compelling case if they want to go out and get him with all the draft picks that they have. So I don't think it's necessarily the Dolphins and the AFC East that um, are the number one prospect to land him right now. So so just... Um, worth asking because I know where I stand on this, but as Patriots fans, is there any price you would not pay to get this guy on our team for what the next four seasons? I think he has left on his contract. Uh, honestly, I, I, I would, yeah, there's not too much. I wouldn't pay. Honestly, I don't think we have any rocks in our franchise or any foundations in our franchise right now that I would be unwilling to give up. I think that our defense is in a good spot. And with Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo, I'm confident that their defense is is going to be at least, you know, middle of the pack. But our offense cannot function with a player like Cam Newton or with anyone that's at that caliber. I think that we need a top caliber quarterback, and that was proven this year. So as far as I'm concerned, Deshaun's not the only option for us this offseason, but he's the best one there is. So I'd be willing to throw whatever we can at, (laughs) at the Texans and Nick Casario to try and make something happen. I, and I think you nailed it. The Nick Casario connection is the only reason I think this might be remotely possible. Um, I mean, ultimately, we'll see. And, and maybe it almost has the opposite effect because of some of the malcontent that, that formed with the Patriots and him a few seasons ago. But I just like I'd give up entire drafts to get him on the team. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yeah, exactly. I uh I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are considering that. So it wouldn't just be the Patriots that are are fighting for that. That's for sure. And it's yeah. funny that each team is preparing or that what you said, that, uh, that that report prepared 32 different trades for him. Cause that just goes to show that every team or almost every team could upgrade at the quarterback position, obviously remove Kansas city, remove. I think Kansas Bay, city remove. was the only team that he didn't, uh, that he didn't okay. attempt to put together a trade for. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so there's maybe five, six teams that, you know, wouldn't consider seriously going after someone like Deshaun Watson to upgrade the quarterback position. I think that just says 
how valuable he is in this league right now. And yeah, yeah it's not going to be a, a bad trade if you can go out and get him. I don't think. So before before we uh, hop into the conference games, do you have any thoughts? Any any final thoughts from the divisional round? Obviously, um, we hit some good football. Uh, we almost ended up with a situation where it was the one and two seats from both conferences left standing, but uh, the Bucks were able to top the Saints on an awful game by Drew Brees. But um, I don't know, Adam, I was wrong almost across the board on my picks. So I, uh, I wasn't feeling very good after the divisional round, but do you have any, any kind of last comments? Well, if you remember last year, um, being with this, the Canadian podcast, we, we were trying to be funny and we went for, uh, um, you know, a, a portion of our podcast called the apologies of the week. And so honestly, mine, Daniel, if we were reigniting that for a week would have to be for the Buffalo bills defense and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I think I, I sold both of those shorts and I was confident in the Ravens and the saints and didn't even consider, um, you know, the bills defense and the, the Buccaneers defense to be as large of factors as they were. And they're both the reason why their teams won their games. So um, yeah, not too much to say about the other games, but specifically those units were absolutely outstanding and I think um, deserve praise, that's for sure. Yeah, I think I, I would have to agree with what you're saying as well as I think, um, and you know, I, I would never cheer for an injury. I never, you know, want a player to get hurt for any reason, but I will fault the Browns for not being able to capitalize on the fact that Patrick Mahomes did go down. Um when when that injury happened, I was like, oh, like this is it. The, the Browns win this game now. And they just weren't able to to play like they had to, to, to steal a game from the Chiefs that they had no right being as close as it was. So um, that's just, that has to be noted. It, it's not even like they were an outclass team. The, the Chiefs lost their best player. And I know it was late in the game, but, but they were still able to finish, get the win. And um, Cleveland, I mean, they, they look to be in a half-decent position heading into next year, but um, in, a, in a season where it felt like they really could make a run, they just weren't able to to do what they had to when they had to do it. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I think it sort of ends that conversation that Patrick Mahomes is the Chiefs, right? Chad Henney came in and, you know, he's not some young, young gunslinger that's, uh, you know, like Taylor, Taylor Heineke, quality backup. He's, I mean, he's Chad Henney. He's been in the league forever <laughs> or what feels like forever, you know? So, Anyways, it's not like Superman came in behind Patrick Mahomes. That's a very good Chiefs team, very good Chiefs defense. And so I think that uh, we have to stop this narrative that Patrick Mahomes is the reason why the Chiefs are successful, because there's a lot of other reasons, too. Yeah, that, that's like, that's such a good way of looking at it. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Chad Henney has at any point in his career actually been relevant. I know he's been a starter, but definitely never a good one. So Casey... Yeah. I mean, has been fortunate with the times he has had to step in. He's uh, gotten the job done. So, yeah, exactly. Last year was Matt Moore. This year it's uh, Chad Henney, and next year it's going to be huh, got to think of a, a random backup quarterback that would come out of nowhere. But we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So then, championship conference championships are coming up. Um, it is. Again, a, a weird year because, I mean, unless uh, I'm not missing anything as far as I know, there isn't a Pro Bowl game that we're looking forward to. So um, we're going to get uh, these championship games. We're going to get a couple weeks off from, from big football. And then, um, I mean, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of fun storylines um, going into this week. Obviously, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers 
um, in a playoff game, that's that's huge. Um, I, I the Bucks have really really been impressive over the last little bit. They were a team that I didn't have a ton of hope for at certain points of the season, but um, they're they're doing what they need to. And um, also this Bills Chiefs one. I mean, it really is this. You know, you have the old uh, old NFL legends in one division and the young. Um, Oh, I still hate it, but the young star players in Mahomes and Josh Allen and the other division—you <laughs> um, have, yeah, youth versus uh, youth versus experience. You've got, I mean, a lot of high-powered offenses. You've got some strong defenses. You have, I mean, teams that um, have felt kind of cursed to a certain extent with the Bills and the Bucks really not being relevant for two decades plus. Um, so, I mean, it's it, it's a big conference championship week and. Um, I mean, every one of these teams has has fought through a lot to get here, except maybe the Chiefs, who essentially have looked perfect since day one. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's go, Buccaneers, Packers, uh, big game. And Adam, what are some of your thoughts heading into that week or into that game? Well, I think a lot of what we talked about last week was revolving around the Rams' defense, who we know is very strong, absolutely like stuffed. Um, the Seattle Seahawks the week before and, and facing a really strong Packers offense and one that um, has given Aaron Rodgers a lot of praise and ultimately will lead to Aaron Rodgers being deemed league MVP this year. And so I think that it's going to be a similar conversation this week, right? Aaron Rodgers saw the Rams defense, had a chance to adjust for the Rams defense and played them very well. I think he threw over 200 yards, two touching or two touchdown passes, looked really, really good in that game. And so Buccaneers defense came off a really impressive win. Drew Brees did not look great. A lot of his throws were questionable. There were some tips and sure things happened, but ultimately the Saints offense just looked brutal. You turn the ball over that many times and you're never going to win a football game. Devin White played phenomenal and that Buccaneers defense played phenomenal, but Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees at this point in their careers are not the same player. And so ultimately what I think it will come down to is the offensive side for the Packers and the defensive side for the, for the Buccaneers. And I think, um, if I had to give an edge to uh, one of those units, it would be the Packers offense. Um, if we flip to the other side of the ball, I think the Buccaneers offense um, is quite good as well. I think that they've got a chance to put up a lot of points. And I think this could be a shootout potentially, but I think ultimately it's going to come down to whoever has possession last. And I think that, um, or sorry, I should say that I could see it coming down to whoever has the, the last possession, or I could see the Packers winning by about, six to ten points i don't ask me why but i'm not willing to to put all my eggs in the tom brady basket at this point in time i think his defense is the reason he's gotten to this point and so um i i just think that the packers rise above that buccaneers defense this week but i uh, i have a feeling you're going to go against those thoughts daniel yeah i am um, this game to me is uh is one that I'm really conflicted about how I want to feel. Like I've I've bounced back and forth about 15 times this season on how I felt about Tom Brady's success. Um, I think at this point, with the four teams left, I'm I'm cheering for the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, and so that's going to cloud my vision a little bit when trying to pick a game like this. And um, I mean, I you just you can't count out Tom Brady in these situations. But the thing is, you can't count out Aaron Rodgers either. Um, and that's that's something I'm so excited about is this is a game between uh, two of the best to ever do it while they're both fully capable of doing it. Right. Drew Brees was you could have said the same thing last week. But but like you said, Drew Brees 
I mean, had a bad game and really hasn't been himself in a few seasons. So I think there's some some really interesting dynamics in this game. I think it could be one of those games where not much happens until the last three minutes when there are like three touchdowns and a field goal. Um, and that's what ends up settling the game as these clutch quarterbacks just go to work. And I mean, that would be a ton of fun. I would love to see that. So I think, yeah, the Bucks defense, um, I think they're, it's kind of going to be all eyes on them. I think they need to shut down um, Aaron Rodgers and what has been one of the best seasons of his career, almost certainly an MVP season for him. Um, and that's, uh, that's going to be a big storyline. I think the Packers running game probably doesn't really have a hope against this defense. So it is um, ultimately going to be all on him uh, for what he's able to do. And um, yeah, if he alone can, can carry this team, I think it's going to be the same for Tom Brady. I'm, I'm so excited for this game. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be an outstanding match. Um, and I mean, it, it's sort of the matchup that we've wanted for a long time, right? People wanted um, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl, right? Patriots, Packers. And um, to see Tom Brady and Drew Brees face off and now Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers face off in back-to-back weeks is just amazing. And quite honestly, it's uh, it's something that we've wanted for a long time. So it may not be in the form of Patriots, Packers, but it's still fantastic. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm absolutely, uh, you know, just thrilled for this game. It's going to be a really good one. Um, the one last thing that I wanted to say, though, Daniel, and I'm not sure if uh, if you can guess what this would be, but I think there's one other definitive reason why I'm giving the Packers the edge in this game. And so I'm quite curious to know if you can uh, pick why I would say or what the reasoning is. I mean, yeah, like if it's if this is coming from you, it's Devontae Adams, right? No, I was going to say it's Lambeau Field, but or yeah, oh. Lambeau Field, I, I think, is a, a huge area of... Um, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's the Packers have uh, never played an NFC Championship game in the Aaron Rodgers era at um, at Lambeau Field, and so I'm giving them the edge primarily on that. Tom Brady's played in, in cold weather games and and everything, but I think Tom Brady's chances of winning in the Dome last week are far greater than his chances of beating Aaron Rodgers in the Tundra. So I think that's the the one reason why I'm giving them the edge above all else and everything else and all the other reasons why I think the Packers win. That's the one reason why I'm fully convinced it's, it's the Packers win this week. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's going to be a factor, even in a, even in a weird um, season with not as many fans, it'll still definitely play into it. I think Tom Brady can play in the cold, which will be, I mean, just that is a, is an interesting dynamic there too. But um, anyways, beyond that game, uh, they're going to be playing one of the, whoever wins this game is going to be playing one of these two teams in the Super Bowl, and that is the the young upstart Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, who, like I said, have essentially been a Super Bowl favorite since day one. Um, Adam, I have a feeling you and I are picking the same team in this game, but um, I'm more interested in how sure both of us are because um, I would like to believe that I am 100% sure that the Chiefs can win this game, but. Uh, the unfortunate truth is I don't feel that way. I, I I think the Bills actually have a legitimate shot at making the run at the Super Bowl. And you know what? I I don't quite honestly. I think that um, as far as it looks right now, Patrick Mahomes will be playing. He's he's taken a lot of steps in the concussion protocol process, and I think he still is technically a concussion protocol, but he's cleared a lot of the steps that he would need to in order to actually play in this game. So. If we're looking at it as though we have a, a healthy Patrick Mahomes and a healthy um, Chiefs 
unit against the Bills. I I can't I can't go against the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. I just can't. The Bills have looked outstanding. That's great, but they also haven't faced a team like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are so regulated. I mean, even without Patrick Mahomes, like I was saying earlier, they managed to shut out the Cleveland Browns who had all the reasons in the world to win that game. So as far as I'm concerned, the Bills are great. Yes, Josh Allen is great. Yes, but as far as I'm concerned, he um, I don't think he can get over the hump of beating the Chiefs. They lost 17 to 26 earlier this season when the two of them played, and I don't see the the outcome of this one being any different. And yeah, like I, I think that like those are very much good points, and I I think the Chiefs are a better team. Um, but I mean, the Bills beating the Ravens 17 to three definitely was a bit of an eye opener for me. I didn't think that the game um, was going to look anything like that. Um, and I mean, the the unfortunate truth is that that Josh Allen, I mean, continues to play at a relatively high level. I mean, last week wasn't an incredibly strong game, but um, <laughs> to be honest, too, the story of of Tom Brady playing the Bills in the Super Bowl would just be crazy and weird. But like, I don't know. I'm I'm very torn on this game. I think it's going to be a heck of a football <laughs> game. Um, and I, I obviously give the Chiefs the edge. I think anybody who you know, actually watches the game in any capacity, knows they have to give the Chiefs the edge in this game. But um, yeah, I think it's, uh, there's, this is not a sure thing. It's not as much of a sure thing I would like it to, as I would like it to be as someone who absolutely hates the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I mean, everyone might want to talk about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and the fact that they're both really young quarterbacks. But I think um, something that you've been waiting to happen all year, Daniel, is that Josh Allen's going to show us the Josh Allen of old, the Josh Allen that we've seen over the first two years of his career and not Josh Allen in his third season. And so I'm expecting that to be this week, actually. Um, Stephon Diggs, great player. Cole Beasley, great player. John Brown, great player. Um, I think that they're a dynamic trio when it comes to the receiver position for the Bills. But I don't see the Chiefs um, game planning in a way that doesn't allow them to stop those three Right. And, and so I might have talked in a circle there, but essentially what I'm getting at is I don't see the Chiefs being vulnerable enough from a defensive perspective to let Stephon Diggs torch them as he's torched other teams or Cole Beasley or any one of those other guys. I don't think their running game is going to be relevant during this game as well. And I think that Josh Allen will be one dimensional in this game. I think the Chiefs will know how to keep him in the pocket, you know, force him to get rid of the ball quick. And that's not something we've seen with Josh Allen over the course of this season. He does have the ability to hold on for long periods of time. And so, and he does make plays when he scrambles. And, you know, I think back to that play against the Colts where he scrambled, um, I think it was two plays in a row through the ball to Gabriel Davis. And I mean, just beautiful passes right along the sideline. It was impressive. So um, anyways, as far as I'm concerned, it ultimately comes down to that Chiefs defense. Um, Regardless of Patrick Mahomes' health, can that Chiefs defense limit those those receivers for the bills and i say absolutely they can i i commend the bills for the fact that they can win games in a a multitude of different ways them beating the ravens 17 to 3 displays that daniel like you said but as far as i'm concerned i just think this is the week that josh allen gets brought back down to life and um, it'll be at the hand of the chiefs defense that we know is capable of doing that so then to wrap this up adam i want your um, your most likely Super Bowl pick and your what you would like to see Super Bowl pick for the matchup? Okay, most likely Super Bowl pick is um, I would say Packers at Chiefs and what I would ultimately like to see is Packers at Bills. Um, yeah, 
I, I would like to see the Packers win the Super Bowl over the Bills, to be honest. And so it would just feel um, Buffalo-like or Bills-like to get to the Super Bowl after however many years it's been since, what, the 94 maybe? And uh, to lose, ultimately, which would be their fifth Super Bowl lost in, in five visits to the Super Bowl. So um, as a person who can't stand the Buffalo Bills, that just feels nice to me. But <laughs> what about you, Daniel? Yeah, I think uh, I agree with the most likely. I think a, a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl, I think the, the one seats from both divisions make the most sense. I think they're both better football teams than their competition. And um, yeah, I think that just has to be kind of what we see as the most likely one. Um, but like I said, I'm kind of on the Bucks bandwagon at this point. Part of me, like even though he's with the Bucks now, he left and I, I want to really dislike him for it. Truth be told, is I just want to see Tom Brady establish a legacy that nobody can ever even attempt to argue that he's not the best, not even quarterback, the best player to ever play professional football. So I would love to see a Bucks bills Super Bowl where Tom Brady can just ruin the Bills' day one more time like he's done his entire career. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think we're going to see Packers-Chiefs, but man, would I love to see Bucks bills with Tom Brady just, just killing the Bills one last time. Yeah, and as confident as I am in the Packers, Chiefs, or Packers and Chiefs this week, I have to say that um, that would be a really entertaining game to see the Buccaneers and Bills go at it. So ultimately, I don't think we can be disappointed with the fact that we have a Super Bowl in the grand scheme of everything that's happened in the last year. The fact that we have a Super Bowl that's very realistically going to happen in two weeks is is outstanding. And the fact that we have, you know, four great teams and I think um, someone said it on Twitter and I thought that this was awesome that the four best teams have been led by the four best quarterbacks this year and I think that's really cool because we haven't necessarily seen that in a while where the, the four best teams are led by the four best quarterbacks over the course of this past year so ultimately it's not going to be a Super Bowl or it's not going to be a bad Super Bowl matchup no matter who actually makes it there after this week. Okay, so then with, uh, with only two games to pick from Adam, we, we still have our player of the week and our struggle of the week. And, and both of us said it was harder this week. And I mean, it makes sense. We had two games versus having, what, like 14 or 16 all the time throughout the regular season, lots to look at. Um, so Adam, going into the conference championship, who do you have as your uh, player of the week or your unit of the week or, or wherever you went with that? So I ended up going with... Um... I was going to say the Chiefs backfield, and I was going to include Tyreek Hill in that category. But ultimately, I'm going to say it's going to be Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, or Tyreek Hill that are going to be the player of the week. I think that we saw that Tyreek Hill can get the ball in a variety of different ways. Um, and that's sort of what happened this past week with the Chiefs kind of beaten up at the running back position. But if Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is back, which I believe he's going to be, I can see him having a, a great day against that that Buffalo Bills defense. And I think if they're preparing for an air attack or the, you know, the multitude of ways that the Chiefs force the ball down the field, I think it's going to be the running game of the Chiefs that's actually going to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and that's going to help the Chiefs um, sustain long drives and put up big points in this game. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I mean, Tyree Kill is a really good choice. Clyde Urgell, I think, is sitting at limited right now. Um, okay. So I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if he ends up playing because I know even with, let me check. Maybe maybe I'm crazy, but I thought with all the encouraging news around Mahomes that Edwards Hilaire was still, excuse me, Edwards Hilaire I think was still questionable. Yeah, questionable with an ankle injury. So I mean, that's interesting. He might he, not play. We'll see. He did but, return to practice today, though. Okay. Yeah. 
So that's a good sign. Um, and obviously, yeah, Tyreek Hill is incredible. So he's a, he's a good pick. I'm uh, I'm just I mean I'm just throwing my fanboy colors on now. I'm not saying <laughs> Tom Brady playoff Brady in a game where um, he's going to be wildly important to help them win. I'm I'm taking it, man. I think I'm I'm not 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 betting against Tom in the playoffs. That's always been a bad idea. So I think he's going to maybe play his best game of the season against this Packers team to to bring the Bucks onto the Super Bowl. And, and ultimately, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, I, I can't deny the fact that he's my favorite player, always has been, always will be. So um, I, I'm more on the bitter side where I wanted him to succeed with the Patriots, and it's hard to see him succeed without Belichick and the Patriots franchise. But um, ultimately, if he has a great week, like you're describing, Daniel, it, it probably wouldn't disappoint me in all reality. So um, I could see it happening, and ultimately, I think it would be a, a pretty great thing for his legacy and for the league to see him have a, a great performance like that. And, and so, yeah, I can uh, I can definitely get behind that. But uh, have you are you staying with that game as far as your struggle of the week, or, or did you go to the AFC matchup? Yeah, I did. I did go two in the same game, um, which feels a little cheap. But I think when I when I look at the variety of matchups, whether it's player on player or unit on unit. Um, I feel like one of the bigger mismatches really is that Bucks defense against Aaron Jones. Um, this Bucks defense has been exceptional against the run all season. And Aaron Jones is a good running back in his own right. But this is Aaron Jones is not one of your like absolute dominant. He can create yards out of nothing type of guys. And um, this Bucks defense is able to turn a lot of running backs into nothing. So I think Aaron Jones is going to have a bad week. Like I said, I think it's if, if the Packers are going to win this game, it's going to be about Aaron Rodgers really putting the team on his back, which he's more than capable of doing. I just don't think he'll be getting a ton of help out of his backfield, and specifically Aaron Jones. Well, and, and Alvin Kamara, who's not, you know, Aaron Jones is not in that category, but who's a similar player to um, Aaron Jones, I would say, to some degree, had a, a decent week against Tampa Bay and but they ultimately did limit him from what he's capable of doing. And Aaron Jones being a, a dynamic player, you're right, not being necessarily one of the, the most highly regarded running backs in the league, but still um, it would be a huge deal if they're capable of shutting him down and limiting him um, just because he does have that ability to break off big runs or to be a dynamic player. So um, because he's similar to Alvin Kamara, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they can, you know, limit his success similar to sort of what they did to Alvin Kamara, but um, it'll be an interesting week for sure. And uh, right after you said that, Daniel, that you made two picks from the same game, I uh, quickly checked my notes here, and I actually made two picks from from the same game as well. So sticking in the, the AFC Championship from my player of the week, I'm actually going to pick <laughs> Stefan Diggs of the Bills for my my struggle of the week. And similar to what I was talking about earlier, I just see the Chiefs defense being um, effective in multiple ways, which affects Stefan Diggs' performance and that's going to come in the form of a pass rush that will allow Josh Allen to, or, or sorry, that will prevent Josh Allen from having enough time to look deep down the field. And um, I think it'll also come in the form of their coverage and making sure that Stephon Diggs doesn't get open. He is the, their most dynamic player. And I think that the Chiefs are going to focus in on him quite a bit. So um, if I'm picking the, the matchup that I think the Chiefs focus on this week from a defensive perspective, it's going to be Stephon Diggs being removed from this game plan. So Adam, is your plan on on Sunday just to sit down and watch both of these games all the way through? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, enjoying I every moment of it. <laughs> I haven't watched it as much of the playoffs as I initially thought I would, just because of 
um, some scheduling stuff with work and um, I mean, even during COVID lockdown, just having some other things to do around the house and whatnot. So I'm excited. I'm hoping to be able to, yeah, watch both of these games, um, prep myself to really make my calls on, on the Super Bowl when all is said and done. But um, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a good week of games. I I don't know if I think these were the best four teams, like as I look back over the season. And I'm like, not super convinced of that, but I mean, that's just how the NFL is, right? The, the Giants somehow won two Super Bowls as, as pretty bad football teams those seasons. They beat the Patriots both times, so I can't deny that it happens. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with where this is at. I'm happy with the quarterback matchups, happy with the defenses. There's definitely some real um, playmakers. I think on pretty much every team, there are, there are guys who can break a game open. So um, it, could, it could be a lot of fireworks this weekend. Yeah, exactly. And ultimately, what's what's fun about the NFL, and I mean, sure, you could say every professional sports league, but I feel like specifically in the NFL, um, you have to get hot for the playoffs, right? So it's not even necessarily the best team over the course of the regular season. It's the team that heats up most in the playoffs. And I think that that's what we've seen is these four teams are the hottest teams that we've seen in the course of the playoffs because they're still here, yes. But just because of how, how strong they've been, how quick they are to score, how dominant their defenses can be um, on a weekly basis in the playoffs and they've needed to be. So um, you're right. Not necessarily the best teams over the course of the season, but um, I think when it's, when it's been most important for these teams to step up, they've all gotten extremely hot. You know, there's not one team that's kind of limped their way here. They're all extremely hot right now. And it actually makes picking these games a lot harder than it has been in previous years. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, then um, I mean, it'll be a good weekend of football. It'll be uh, it'll be kind of weird to have a full two weeks off without a Pro Bowl to to tie us over. Unless I'm wrong, Adam, is there a Pro Bowl? Like, am I crazy? I think it's a virtual event this year. I'm not sure what that means. Oh my gosh, that's gonna but, be awful. Um, yeah, or, or it's something virtual, if I remember correctly. But there's no game being played. Maybe there's a virtual celebration. Or I remember seeing the word virtual and kind of rolling my eyes. So, oops, okay. maybe I shouldn't say that. But um, well, <laughs> yeah nothing exciting so then i mean either way we'll be back next week probably talking some some award picks looking forward um somewhat to the super bowl matchup and um, i mean with with two weeks to go in a regular season we never thought would happen we will see you all again next week